Champions of Psychology is meant as education and entertainment. It is not a substitute for medical advice or professional counseling. Discussion of mental health topics will be primarily rooted in research and the personal experiences and self-disclosures of the hosts. While we can provide generalized education and possible mental health resources, we cannot offer any recommendations, advice, or opinions for any specific persons, cases, or situations. We provide these resources and links at our sole discretion, but have not necessarily vetted or reviewed any resource. We assume no liability for the use of the information or resources on these sites, and we encourage you to use your own best judgment. Hello, and welcome to Champions of Psychology, a show with the goal of openly talking about mental health and gaming presented by Codename Entertainment and TakeThis.org. Every Tuesday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time here on Twitch.tv slash CNE Games or later on your favorite podcast service, Mitra Jordan and Rafael Bukamazzo, a.k.a. Dr. B, talk about mental health in these unprecedented times as well as how gaming affects us. If you're here with us live in the chat, you can leave a question that I, Trevor Bettis, will ask them later in the show. Our topic today is mental health myths we wish would just go away. <laughs> but before Shakes we... Fist. <laughs> Shake's fist. But before Shake your we fist harder, that, boy! <laughs> who are you for the fine folks who may not know? Uh, so I'm Mitra Jordan. I run a, well, I'm a private clinician. No. Okay. This is really not coming out super well. Uh, <laughs> I'm a therapist working in Victoria, BC. I am in private practice. I see families, individuals, couples, um, and gaming references work their way in there somehow. They just just gets in there someplace not from me from my clients okay wow i'm coherent this episode this should be a lot of fun it's gonna be a great episode we're gonna have fun time. so great myth number one <laughs> mental health professionals are infallible <laughs> right yeah you didn't see any of that and i always present a dignified decorous composure yeah. dignified decorous Chorus. Oh, I mean, oh okay. <laughs> dignified chorus. A dignified chorus. <laughs> there we go. That's going to be our rallying cry today. I yes. Mean. Um. Well, I'm uh, Rafael Bocamazzo. Ever, uh, ever. Uh, God, I'm read. I'm reading the chat while I'm talking, and it's creeping in. I'm <laughs> Rafael Bocamazzo. Ever making things up. The. <laughs> 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 Oh my God. I'm better known as Dr. B for long Italian name reasons. And apparently the fact that I can't say, get through my own name. Um, but yeah, I'm a clinical psychologist in Washington state. And I am also the clinical director of TakeThis.org, which uh, we're approaching our 10th year yeah. being a mental health nonprofit in the game industry. Although I just technically we weren't an official nonprofit till 2014, but, um, but yeah, we were started in 2012 and yeah, we're all about educating people on mental health matters and destigmatizing it. And that is why I am here talking with these lovely folks. Also, I am a huge fanboy when it comes to things like tabletop RPGs, of which I am an expert on their use in clinical learning settings. And I also have opinions on yeah. mental health myths that I have said. I like, I like how to make up the, the beginning flub. You're like, you know what? I'm going to get through this and speed it up. I am going to speed it I'll up. Do this yes. on hard mode. Hard mode. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so we are here today to talk about uh, mental health myths, um, specifically ones that uh, a lot of people just 
do not like. Um, and uh, both uh, Mitra and Dr. B have picked a few out from the long list of suggested ones. <laughs> um, but can, I, I, can I say that about that oh, for yeah, a second? We'll, we'll, we'll get to that. But before, before you say that, I do want to just give for chat. If you have any... If you know of any myths for mental health that you wish would go away, drop them into the chat. We're going to kind of rapid fire them at the end of the episode. Um, so uh, exciting. Drop those in there. Our awesome mod Martin will grab them. Uh, but uh, yeah, Dr. B, talk about Take This in okay. this episode. So at Take This, behind the scenes especially, we have a culture of directness. And we have a culture of criticism, uh, honest critique of things, including the systems in which we all exist. And as soon as last week I dropped what we were going to be talking about <laughs> this week in the Take This Slack channel and said, hey, does anyone have opinions on mental health myths we should discuss? I went away for an hour for a meeting. When I came back from that hour, I coalesced it all down into nearly two full pages of single space myths that Trevor, Mitra, and I had to sort through and try and come up with like six. I will say, and take we, this. We, we got opinions, man. Yeah, I'm so grateful that Take This has opinions because that was super useful. And then, of course, we had our own thoughts. But and then there's sort of clusters in terms of topics. I think that myths tend to be about, and we'll kind of get into those myths, and you'll see what we mean. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, well, then, uh, as uh, as chat's getting their own uh, um, myths in there, why don't we start off? Uh, well, we start with one Mitra's, uh, which is uh, the uh, was it myths of myths of the oh the myths of speed of change. Where do you want right. to start with that? Uh, well, I'll kind of start at the beginning, which is what happens when someone walks into the therapy room and they sort of share what's happening. And usually, we've had an intro, a little meet and greet prior to them becoming my client, but often we'll get into what are your goals? What do you want to have happen? How will you know therapy works? What will be different about your life? That kind of thing. Okay. And we made it about 20 seconds in folks. Yes, hey, hey, yes, hey, over eager person over there. Hey, Mitra, the <laughs> how long till I'm cured? Yeah, that's mm. exactly what they say. Yeah, how long till this problem goes away entirely, never to darken my door again, really? How long till I'm not dealing with this and I'm very, very happy in my life and very successful also, and all my children are pink-cheeked and gorgeous? Like, seriously, there is an idea about how quickly change will happen. And I think it's partly because of the way our minds skip ahead and we kind of need to visualize success and visualize that a change has happened in order to stay the course of something that's going to be a bit rocky, right? Maybe a lot rocky, depending on what you're going through. And I will so often also see this present as X thing happened 15 years ago, 40 years ago, 35 years ago, four years ago, why am I not over it? Well, if X thing was life-changing or painful for you in some way, it's part of your developmental process and it doesn't just go away. So I think that there are also stages of change and people aren't really aware of how these work. And we've talked a little bit about them before. So we talk about pre-contemplation, which is something's not right, but you haven't really processed it or you're trying to, you're pushing away the idea that anything needs to be different. Contemplation, gee, maybe I should do uh, something Who needs to quit this. smoking anyway? Right. 
contemplation, I, they say that it's not good for my health. I don't really believe them, but what if they're right, you know? Um, and then, you know, readiness for change. And we move into the beginning stages of planning action to action, and hopefully, you know, stability in that action. And we know that we want it to be today. I don't want to quit smoking. I just want to be a non-smoker, right? Which is that's how, how that it works, works, though, right? I decided, and then it's happened. Right, and there's the, all the physiological stuff that happens around smoking, and the reasons you smoke, and why you started, and who else in your life smokes, and do you share smoke breaks with a friend, and and and. No, right? this sounds complicated. No, no. Right. So when will it just happen? No, yeah. When so will I, don't I be have cured? To deal about the complication. I don't <laughs> want to make it go away. That's kind of how it is, and so. I just want to come to a therapist because I've now taken a step, right? Big step. And so change should just automatically proceed to unfold in front of me like a red carpet stretching out before me and that I can walk down. There's a lot of hand movement here, sorry. But I think you get the idea. The audio <laughs> listeners are really going to, they, they know when when you are angry about this. It's, it's getting, getting in there. <laughs> no, with every thump, there's more emphasis. Emphasis? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All the that was the correct syllable, right? <laughs> I love it. But no, it's, it's. It, you're you're right that when a lot of times when people come into the into the course of of therapy or any sort of behavioral change it's not a one and done type situation it is an ongoing process you are 100% correct and a lot of time it's the same thing where people are like i want to play an instrument but nobody says i want to practice an instrument i would like to be able to play uh, Purple Haze, as well as Hendrix. Um, I'm sorry. How long did he have to practice? Um, listen, I don't. I don't appreciate being called out about my feelings <laughs> on how I draw. Okay. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to learn how to draw. I want to draw. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I feel it. <laughs> so yeah, I don't want to go into the kitchen and go. God, how do I boil an egg? I want to go in there and make a Michelin star meal. Right. <laughs> no pressure. No at pressure all. at all. Not at all. Zero. Right. None whatsoever. Yeah, I, so I do really, I, I do really think though that 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 I think that one actually illustrates this one the most of boiling an egg to Michelin star meal, <laughs> like that really is like kind of the same degree of like I want this to be changed now and yeah. So yeah, and the the I think that taking that step is so important. Visualizing change is so important because change isn't going to happen without you visualizing. First of all, I need a change. Second, what is that change? Third, a road that you want to go on so that you can avoid the other distractions that interfere with that road. So if you've decided, I'm really going to cut down on drinking, going to the pub, probably unhelpful for at least the first while. See your friends elsewhere if you can, right? So if you can visualize, this is what I want to not do, then you can start to think about what am I going to cut out so that I can do the thing I actually want to do. Um, and so, yeah, the stages of change require that you process this. Um, and as part of this issue with therapy, I'll often get, okay, hit me with your hardest thing. You know, tell me what I really need to change. Give it to me unfiltered. Well, change is a process that you do. 
And it's not my job as a therapist to point out all the things that you should be doing different because A, that's demoralizing. B, I'm trying to join with my client, not antagonize them. And this is because change is your process. I'm present for it. I'm a guide. I'm a supporter. I'm not someone who's going to stand there, you know, telling you what change will work for you. Well, can I, can I throw something in on that, Mitra? Yeah. And I don't think we talked about this explicitly in our pre-production meeting, but it's also the fallacy of, of the curative-based model when it comes to mental health. Because mm-hmm. mental health is no one, there's no one symptom, there's no one trait, there's no one thing that makes a mental health diagnosis. And, the, and so let, let, let me, let me, talk about something I've talked about many times, um, largely due to my autism and, you know, living in a world not built for me, I've struggled with chronic depression my entire life. Mm-hmm. So are people, if I go to my therapist, are they going to cure me of having emotions? Are they going to, that's some sci-fi stuff right there. Okay. This, I've now we're getting into equilibrium. <laughs> okay. Oh, and I am definitely go. not Christian Bale in this. I don't do the gun kata or anything like that. Um, as much as my teenage brain was like, oh, that's so cool. Uh, but the, <laughs> it's, it, it's not like they can cure me of being sad. And so taking this medical idea of curative mental health is in and of itself a problem. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it ties, I mean, that's, that's perfect. That ties so right in with this idea of change, which is that like, I should be able to just I don't know, take a pill or suddenly see the world differently. And, you know, people talk about having epiphanies or having insights. And those insights are certainly a useful aspect of therapy, for sure, right? Because we have to be able to kind of visualize something outside of the paradigm that got us into trouble in the first place, right? So if we're like, I really need to change this thing, I have to be able to broaden my scope. Insights about that. But insight itself isn't a cure Mm -hmm. it's what the insight brings it's what we decide to do afterward that is important yeah so yeah and and yeah there isn't any one thing and and also there isn't any one type of person so there are strategies that may work very well for one person that will completely fail another person and so it has to be about a collaborative process in therapy to bring about something different for each person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, just uh, just so that we can get through uh, some more of these ones. Uh, you have any last thoughts <laughs> on that one that you want to add? I'm going to switch Ooh, over to Dr. B1. Let's go. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, do- Dr. B, I, uh, hey, hey, I, I, you know what? I'm going to do this one. Hey, hey, Dr. B. Hey. Hey. <laughs> hey. hey. No, hey. I'm going full Harry Carey. Hey. Hey. Hey, hey. Trevor. <laughs> I, I'm I'm not gonna take that medication because it'll make me look weak. Oh, for the love of okay, no, sidle up. Oh, sidle so up many the, opinions. Okay, kids, let's talk. <laughs> All right. Med. Uh. <laughs> the start and then the groan. All right. Let's talk about stigma surrounding medication. So uh, for, first of all, I want to premise this with I'm not that kind of doctor, okay? I'm the, I'm the talking and testing kind, not the I went to medical school kind, okay? Those are the ones who prescribe Medicaid. I passed out getting a tattoo. I am not, I'm not getting through medical school, okay? Needles in me, 
verboten do not mix but um the <laughs> oh i'm totally stealing that i'm not that kind of cleric all right i love it <laughs> um <laughs> wrong kind but every time you know the the whenever i've worked with clients and they somehow are under this idea that medication is a failure that if despite what we know about biological correlates of various mental health diagnoses, that there are in fact genetic vulnerabilities to certain things. There are genetically heritable things that we, we gain, vulnerabilities to certain things that we gain. Somehow, if they're not able to just like willpower their way out of that situation, they have failed. And they often bring to me the ever-present gem of an objection that medication is a crutch, man. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know if any of you have ever hurt your knee due to my own clumsiness. I have on many occasions. You mean what I did to myself two weeks ago trying to put a shoe on? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. You know, shoes are, shoes are, shoes are just a step in the wrong direction, man. It just... <laughs> If it, they get y'all tied up in so knots much. and they, and unfortunately down you, no, I've, I mean, I've done that. I I've tripped over my own feet on more, on more than one occasions. And every time somebody is like, oh, medication's a crutch, man. Yeah. Crutches are useful. I don't, I, if, if, if I see somebody who I know plays sports ball on the regular and they've got a knee injury, I don't point to them and just go, yo man, that, those crutches are a crutch. And it, it just sounds so bizarre, but yet when it comes to emotional stuff, we somehow stigmatize the need for medication. And that's not to say people should or should not take medication. That's a decision you have to reach with your prescriber on an individual basis. Yeah. But the stigma surrounding it is ridiculous. I will say from a personal experience, I mean, I, I think a lot of clinicians uh, struggle with this as well. I certainly did. But, oh, when we got it dialed in, oh, it was glorious. It was like I could see color again. I mean, I, I'm not even joking. It was like, were the trees always this green? 100%. Like, and yeah. yeah, so, but I, I mean, do you, do you go up to a diabetic and tell them that they should just willpower their pancreas into making more insulin. Yeah. Do you, I mean, I, it's just, it's bizarre how we think about mental health meds yeah. versus things for blood pressure or diabetes or anything else. It's not a failure if I take a statin, if I've got high cholesterol, but somehow it's a failure if I need anti, you know, anti-anxiety meds. Yeah. I don't I think, know. I think that's, that's the best rant ever. I love it. And 100% I, I would drop agree. my mic, but it's expensive and I don't want to. <laughs> it also, it's on a swing arm, so that's difficult. So I'm just like, ah, mic drop. Oh, it stayed right there. <laughs> so, and, I, and it's so interesting because I often see this um, where somebody's perfectly content taking all kinds of medications to manage physical ailments. Rightly so. I don't have an issue with it. But when it comes to me saying... Have you spoken to your doctor about maybe a little support around depression or anxiety? You know, and it's like, now nah, I'm not going to do that. 
And the other piece is that, that relates is the idea that medication will somehow change you, that you will become not you. And the right, because it, it's, it's a, sometimes a little bit of an effort to figure out which the right one is, uh, Dr. B, as you said, once they had it dialed in, right? Yeah. And I would say that's certainly true of my experience with medication. Um, but the right medication allows you to be more you, hence the crutch metaphor, if you will. Right. And sometimes what we want to do is extend that crutch metaphor and look at it as a prosthetic metaphor. Mm -hmm. I wear contacts or glasses. My eyes are never going to get better on their own. I won't magically have better sight without glasses, I guess, unless I do surgery or something, right? Um, if someone is, is missing a limb and they can have an artificial limb that helps them walk and lead a life in that way, how nice is that? And if somebody has a wheelchair and they need that in order to have a fuller life, how wonderful is that? In other words, if we're coping with something that has left us in some way, either temporary or permanently, uh, you know, less able in some way, and we can do something that's going to just help us be a little bit more able, how is that a bad thing? Like, how is that you not being you? 100%. And I mean, that's, again, I, I want to emphasize that I'm not saying, you know, run, you know, run to run to pill up or anything like that. It, it, the way I, I talk to people about meds is it is one tool of many. And like, like any tool, there are upsides and downsides. And I, you know, I mentioned that we did dial mine in because, you know, people's biochemistry are weird. And again, not that kind of doctor taught. If you have questions about what medications you should be changing, discuss that with your physician or other licensed prescriber. Please do. Um, yeah. It, it, because they're going to know your situation better. They, uh, it is one tool of many. And what, what just drives me up the wall is this stigma around this idea that that is somehow a failure. That is somehow a, a moral or, you know, personality failure that you need to use this tool. Absolutely. Ultimately, the point of, of therapy versus um, self-help tools, say, or versus reading a book, okay? The point of going to see someone is that the, I hesitate to use the word cure, but the improvements, shall we say, are tailored to you, specifically to you. And if that's not what that practitioner is doing, don't, you know, hopefully you can see someone else who's much more tuned into your situation and can therefore tailor things better to you. Because that's the, that's the point. Um, okay. Uh, any, any last thoughts on that one? So, uh, we can, we can get to it. No, I actually, one. I really want to kick it over to Mitra for one of the, cause I, the ones that Mitra chose, oh, I want to well, so, hear her say things on these. So okay. that, that, that's actually what I was going to bring up. Cause I, I, I don't know if we're going to be able to get all of the ones that we picked here. So I wanted to leave it to Mitra. Mitra, which one of yours do you want to talk about next? Okay. So we talked about that. Let's talk about and this is, I think, actually both of ours. And you know, therapy will fix my insert situation was what we had set down. So therapy <laughs> will fix my whatever it is, right? So okay, we talked a little bit about change. Um, sometimes what people will bring in is um, they'll come and see me individually, but they'll be like, 
it's my husband, he's the problem. I just, you know, I've tried, I've said this, that, and the other to him, I've coerced, I've ultimatumed, I've done it all, and he won't change, and he's the problem. And, you know, couldn't tell you if that's true or not, because guess what, we're working with you, not this other husband, daughter, whatever, family member, we're working with you. And in working with you, what we can do together is help you figure out how you would like to approach things differently. That's where the control is. The control in the room is what you, client, choose to do. It's not about being able to control or change someone else. So the control is not to change an external thing over which you may have no effect. I can't change your boss. We can think about your work situation and what you'd like to be different. We can talk about how you might set boundaries around that. We can talk about the job search. What would you like to look for? What's possible? We can talk about your coping tools if you can't leave this particular work or how you can cope with some of the whatever your boss is saying. But what we can't do is incite change in someone over there. And we need to distinguish the changes that are internal to you over which you have control versus the changes that are external, which we can't control. I would love to fix racism. I would love to get rid of war. I would love it if religion could unite rather than separate people as it as often can happen. Um, but I can't control those things. I can only help individuals figure out how to manage their response to something. So. Well, and, and I know this, this ties into something that you and I have both talked about on, on numerous occasions, Mitra, and that's the, the, the idea, the bias of individualized solutions in mental health. Absolutely. And there's, um, and how many things are just systemic. And I know that's a good part of what you do. Yeah, and I think it's really validating for people. I'll often work with people who are racialized in some way and experience um, a lot of, um, of, of uh, challenges with that. And we can't fix the racism, right? But we can help them feel validated in their experience. We can help them think about where they want to put their energies, um, you know? So there are these big systemic issues that I wish were different, but that I can't change. And I think this is where a lot of people find it really difficult because we're taught, particularly in North America, that it's all about us as the individual, that if I'm different, the world will be different that I need to stop thinking small, I need to think big, that I need to break out of my paradigm and have some kind of profound moment of, of, of uh, hmm, you need some a headset great for epiphany. This. <laughs> you need a headset for this and you need to be doing the Tony Robbins thing. <laughs> you too can change your life and it will only take an hour and a half. Spend time with me and let me show you the way right? Therapist is Messiah. That's another one. I hate this. It drives me crazy. <laughs> Tony Robbins is like, 
yes, come to my seminars, pay an awful lot of money. <laughs> you will be different coming out the other end. And there's loads of people like that who want to tell you that it's going to be simple. But are they taking into account who you are? Are yeah. you taking into account who you are? Yeah. Are you also taking into account that, say, on your fitness journey, unlike some of these people, you don't happen to have a chef, a personal trainer, yeah. a babysitter, and I don't know, a company that can function without you so that yeah. you can pay full attention to all of the beautiful curated organic vegetables you're now going to be eating, right? Yep. Well, it's, a person I, I, exists in their context. Right. <laughs> Sorry, now I'm right. No, no, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And this is this is something that I, I I I suspect you've struggled with as a therapist who's been taught from this very Western perspective. Mm -hmm. I certainly struggled with this when I've been the therapist. And and the idea of people coming to me with things that are clearly systemic in mm -hmm. cause. And they're like, hey, doc, how do I be better? And I'm like, I, I don't know what to, t I can't make, listen, therapy's cool, but I can't make your student loans go away. Ooh, yeah. I can't make mine go away. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, the, the idea that you, you, you said it so beautifully, Mitra, a person exists in their context. And we, ought, we can't always, as individuals anyway, we can't shift every system to fix it. Right. So it is true <clears throat> that um, being in a position where you have privilege or financial freedom of some sort, or even if not freedom, certainly capacity to move, mm -hmm. maybe a, a few months sorted out so that you can, say, look for another job, maybe no family with kids in school so that you can, say, move to another state or province, wherever. The reality is we have to work with what's coming in the room. And you have to work with what you're bringing in to your situation. So you can visualize a different life and work towards it. Working with the other pieces in your life that are consistent and not easy to change. Mm -hmm. So technically, it's true that you can change your life for sure over time, but it's not going to be tomorrow, speaking of, again, the speed of change, and it's not going to be by overlooking the very real context in which your life unfolds. Mm -hmm. yeah. And we're not even, when we talk about the context, we're not even getting into some of the internal struggle, struggles that don't just go away, you know? I can't magic away depression, right? I can't magic away anxiety. I can help you work with them. I can help you accept yourself. I can help you care deeply for yourself. And we can look at the things that interfere with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, I mean, again, if I had the easy cure, if, if I had the easy cure to my depression or my anxiety or anything, um, I wouldn't be needing outside support. Yeah. I get yeah. outside support because it is complicated. Yeah. And because part of what creates contentment, caring, and even loving ourselves has to do with outside support, has mm -hmm. to do with our friends, our family, our community being cared for. Yeah. People having your back. Yeah, we create that by what we put in. 
but we also receive it as part of how we grow. Um, let's take a quick break to remind our viewers and listeners of our disclaimer, and then we'll be back with a few more myths. Stick around. Champions of Psychology is meant as education and entertainment. It is not a substitute for medical advice or professional counseling. Discussion of mental health topics will be primarily rooted in research and the personal experiences and self-disclosures of the hosts. While we can provide generalized education and possible mental health resources, we cannot offer any recommendations, advice, or opinions for any specific persons, cases, or situations. We provide these resources and links at our sole discretion, but have not necessarily vetted or reviewed any resource. We assume no liability for the use of the information or resources on these sites, and we encourage you to use your own best judgment. Uh, Dr. B, which one from your list would you like to go Oh, with? let's... I'm going to kick my feet up or <laughs> pour, pour a strong drink of tea because, yeah. And uh, we're going to talk that insert mode of therapy here is the only effective form of therapy. And I want to oh, give God. people context for this because I was trained very specifically in cognitive behavioral therapy and I got a lot of beefs with the way CBT is done um for most of the time and one of the beefs i have with this idea um that there is one effective form of therapy even though i was trained on the one that most insurance companies prefer and that's a whole issue unto itself the research has substantiated a couple of things when it comes to the form of therapy we choose but one there are just personal differences in how we approach things Okay. Like the way my, my brain works and the way I tend to approach problems, I, I jive with certain kinds of therapy. And I know this, but two, when it comes to therapeutic outcomes, and I, I expect Mitra to be just like, yes, as soon as I say this, um, the relationship is the more important factor. The <laughs> basically, if you, I don't care what techniques are being used and research substantiates this, that the relationship that you have with your mental health professional has a more important outcome than the techniques. Because if you don't have a foundation of trust, if you don't have a foundation of understanding, if you don't have a foundation of support, if you, are, if you do not have a foundation of, of the kind of relationship where you can work out disagreements because there will be disagreements in a therapeutic relationship. If you don't have that all in place, the techniques don't mean a thing. And in addition to that, we need to go into, we need to, we don't actually have to look far into the history of mental health where people utilize the quote, correct and effective techniques in a tyrannical and oppressive manner. We have seen this throughout the history of mental health, where people, especially people of marginalized identities, have been so far as to be institutionalized because they were acting differently outside of what a mental health professional was trying to get them to comply with as normal. Um, this is a big thing that the autism community talks about when it comes to applied behavioral analysis, that it's, uh, it's wielded as a form of compliance therapy to essentially make us you know, normal. 
and more and more research is showing that, you know, compliance-based therapy is harmful. And so the relationship, that trusting collaborative relationship is the most important controllable factor in therapeutic outcome. Um, yeah, I, God, I've got so much to say on this. Um, one, of the, one of the other things to think about is that um, part of the reason cognitive behavioral therapy has become so well-researched is it's really, really easy to quantify and research it. But a lot of those research studies are done in incredibly, incredibly controlled settings with incredibly uniform populations that just don't exist in the real world. Yeah. Now that's not to mean that it's not to mean the data is terrible data. It just needs to be considered in context. And um, yeah, and that's coming from a CBT practitioner. I am often dubious of CBT manuals and CBT studies because they, people don't implement them with flexibility and they become an oppressive form of compliance-based therapy. Hmm. I just love that little... <laughs> yeah. re re really does emphasize it it does <laughs> <It's a> good... <laughs> i hate Ugh. seeing this because yeah. you know any okay any good therapy should be collaborative 100 percent. any good therapy should empower you as the client yeah because you are in a vulnerable position to begin with and if you're coming in feeling talked down to lectured at, mm. um, criticized, ostracized in the air, in the room where in theory, they work for you, by the way, they do, you pay for them. They, they are there to help you. Something I remind my clients all the time. I am, you are my boss. I work for you. And it's something a lot of therapists don't say. It's a lot of, it's something a lot of therapists don't make clear. And there's a lot of people who just don't have that collaborative, trusting relationship with their therapist who, to, to allow them to feel empowered, to explore the context, to understand that context. And so, yeah, it's, I, I have a huge, huge soapbox, big beef with the idea that, you know, X kind of therapy is the right kind of therapy, because if it were that easy, we would have found answers a long time ago. Yeah. Exactly. And everyone could sort of do that therapy for themselves by this point, surely, right? right? If it was the only thing that worked. Yeah, no, it's about the relationship. Just as there's a million different children and a million good ways to raise them, you know, the key of which is the relationship. Mm -hmm. If you have a sound and connected relationship with your parents, there's a lot of other variations that aren't that important. And in that way, good friendship, good therapeutic relationship. It's all about that connection. And mm -hmm. it's about someone meeting you where you are, staying with you as you progress, being that guide, right? Um, but when I say guide, I mean it in the sense that I know the terrain, but I'm watching you learn it for the first time. And I'm not I'm not going to take over. And, and this is, think about being in a different and really beautiful place and having a guide take you there. And you're standing in front of a glorious waterfall or something, right? And they just step back. Mm -hmm. They give you the space to really enjoy it, explore it, appreciate it. They've brought you here. You've wanted to come. 
here we are. This is yours. That's yeah. what good therapy is. This they, is you're, they are the Virgil to your Dante. It is not mm. your job to take over and be special. Mm. You are working for your clients. What drops from your lips, that's not the pearls of wisdom. <laughs> what? Okay. I went somewhere with that. But I'm super <laughs> irritated sometimes by that differential that some therapists quite like having with their clients. <sighs> that sense of expertise, that sense of what I say is smart. Stay away from those people. <laughs> you yeah. want someone who's listening and being with you. I, you know, the, one of the things I say to my clients is that, that, okay, listen, you came to me because I have an expertise on mental health. Okay, cool. I have an expertise on mental health. You have an expertise on you. Okay. Yeah. I will never know you the way you know you. And so my goal is to use my expertise to help you meet your needs in a context that which makes sense for your life. If that's not working, if that's not happening, let's talk about that. Yeah. And apparently that was like groundbreaking for a bunch of them. It, yeah. It's one of the first things I say in the meet and greet to people is I'm working for you and you're the expert on you. And sometimes I'm going to get it wrong. Sometimes I might say, here's what I see. And they might say, yeah, that's not it exactly, mm -hmm. which is exactly what should happen. How else are we going to figure out what is it? Right. You know? So, yeah. Yeah. Grumble. I just Grumble, grumble. Yeah, no, crumble cakes. Ah, <laughs> early two early two thousands web two reference. Crumble cakes. I love it. Um, okay, before we pass over to chat, see what they've been up to. Any uh, last things you all want to touch on? Yes, yes. I think there's one that comes right. Um, it sort of follows beautifully from where we were. Segways, if you will, which mm. is that some people are like, "Why therapy? What's the purpose? Can't I just vent to a friend?" Mm. You know. Here's the thing. Therapy is about someone who's outside of your daily experience, therefore, who is not biased or in some way a stakeholder in your life, which is not to say that the therapist isn't a human being who cares about you. It's just that they're there to support you having the opportunity to figure it out for yourself versus the voices that come in from spouses and even children and siblings and parents and the boss and the friends who see certain things which they're great but they might not be how you need to see you or what's going to work for you it's a place where you get to silence those other voices and actually focus on your own what's your truth yeah there's there is some and also your friends don't have the same training at creating what are called holding spaces because yeah. uh, and we've talked about this before and once again i i, I suspect mitra's just going to be excited about this it, asking questions of people get digging into their lives that's the easy part that is absolutely the easy part the difficult part in these therapeutic interactions at least for me um, and for a lot of other people I know is learning to create that container, that safe container where we can essentially not just dig into what's going on, but kind of unpack it, lay it all out there, examine it without overwhelming people. And, um, but to be able to help them put it back in that container as well. 
And so that is what a therapist, a good mental health professional, whether it's a therapist, a psychologist, or even a lot, even some psychiatrists, um, mostly they do medication, but some still do therapy, uh, that they're trained to be create that holding space. And that's probably not something your friend is going to be capable of doing with the same level of objectivity and efficacy as someone who's dedicated their career to it. Mm-hmm. Hey, your friends are lovely, but I've heard so many people say, I don't want to get into it because I'm afraid of burdening them. Mm-hmm. And of course, when we get into issues like grief, trauma, high anxiety and depression, we tend to protect our friends and family from these for two reasons. One, we don't want them to be distressed. And two, the other big one is that we don't want them to think we're crazy. And I hate that word, but it's so often what people think. Is there something profoundly wrong with me? You know, and and if I share this stuff, I'm going to have to deal with their reaction. And that's a really big one. It's, It's tough enough that a person is going through something you know, or has been struggling or suffering for a long time to have to then deal with the reaction of friends and family, to have to then soothe and comfort them. When does it get to be about you? So the skill of creating that holding space and of helping you through it is really key. You're not going to be a burden to your therapist. You're going to get to just be you and set some of this stuff down. Uh, we good to check in with chat real quick. Oh, okay. No, I'm looking at chat. Hey, when I said Dante and Virgil earlier, those of you who guessed the book, you're right on. Yes. Because <laughs> I forgot Dante was the lead character in Devil May Cry. <laughs> and that his brother's name is Virgil. Uh, was he? Yes. They, they, okay. they, they, didn't, they didn't really uh, they, they didn't try to be subtle about anything in that game. It's not a game of subtlety. Um <laughs> Uh, let's see. So let's uh, let's see what chat has put in for a few of their stere- uh, their, their myths. Um, Icebre- uh, Icebergak, 1949, says, uh, quote, it's all in your head, end quote. Yeah. Uh, I mean, technically. I mean, yeah, but If also- you want to get physiological about it, <laughs> all it's thoughts those- are, in fact, in your head. It's you're not wrong. You're just the a hole. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see. Stabagail the Cobalt says uh, disassociative identity disorder and pretty much every stereotype and myth involved in it. <sighs> yeah, yeah, that's a really good one. Yeah. Um. Uh, hmm. Yeah, that's that that DID is terribly portrayed in the media. Absolutely. So badly. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. This is uh, Kieran W. Uh, quote: "It's all made up. Doctors made it up and get money out of people by telling them that they're sick." End quote. That's I mean, just, that's just ter- yeah, yeah, yeah. That op- I mean, that opens up some commentary on the social nature of mental health diagnoses as opposed to the medical model, and that's a whole thing unto itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but I haven't met a whole lot of. I, boy, Mitra, are you profiting hardcore off of this? Because I'm not. No. <laughs> I, I And I aim to do myself out of a job with clients, not keep them with me forever. <laughs> like, I'd like to actually help people, <laughs> not have them be dependent, right? That's the whole point. Yeah, I think, you know, 
what we get into there is the way therapy is presented in the media, right? You know, about the only thing that I've ever seen that represents good therapy was goodwill hunting. And even there, there were a couple of things that happened that you wouldn't do. No, but mm -hmm. I mean, just think about- I'm not choking the, a client. I'm never choking a client. That's what I'm saying. You don't lay hands on a client. But some of the conversations, some of the places they were able to go, I, I did like that. Mm -hmm. um, so I know, I know Dr. B isn't as, I'm just pointing out that so much of the time, what I see yeah. looks really awful and manipulative and mm -hmm. also not true to therapy. Like. I would never date a client like I just and you see that you see that kind of stuff you see that kind of boundary breaching stuff that is so awful and problematic and of course yeah makes therapists look like dangerous and manipulative people yeah right right so, well and th that's not to say that there hasn't been oppressive forces throughout the history of of mental health there have been there's absolutely. no doubt about that I mean I I have a beef with any sort of compliance-based treatment at this point, whether it's, yeah. you know, ABA or really any, any form of therapy can be wielded in an oppressive manner. Um, I, I can't tell you the number of people I, I've talked to who have experienced bad cognitive behavioral therapy where the mm -hmm. therapist started saying, well, you, this is how you're thinking irrationally. That's not how it's supposed to work, by the way. Mm. Um, you don't tell people what you're thinking, what they're thinking, because that, <laughs> that's oppressive. Um, yeah. The it, it, it's these things do exist, but the majority of mental health professionals I've met, they they are they're trying to help. Yeah. Um, whether or not they do it effectively is a whole different conversation. Yeah. Uh, lurking writer has another good one that just made me go, Ooh, quote, someone else is suffering more than me. Therefore my suffering matters less in quote. Oh. Right. Yes. Yeah. So it's a pain Olympics, right? Mm -hmm. Right. And you're not a gold medalist, right? That's right. So you don't even count, right? Right. No, that is yeah. total my, BS. My broken <laughs> finger doesn't matter just because you have a broken leg. My finger is totally not broken. <laughs> Okay, so let's look at it this way, right? You go, into a, you go into a kitchen and there's and there's a sink full of dishes and you start to wash them. You go into another kitchen and it's a complete disaster. There's spaghetti on the yes, ceiling. Hi, can I help you? Know, you? Right? So <laughs> both need to be taken care of, right? Both are important, right? One may be a little bit easier. You know, in terms of maybe you've got more resources, maybe your problem is more manageable. You know what that means? That means you're going to cook in that kitchen a little bit sooner. That means you're going to be able to provide nurturance and nourishment, not just to you, but others a little bit sooner. And that's why everyone's problems are important. Everyone's situation matters. Those of us who can just enable ourselves a little bit more, help make the world go round, people. Mm -hmm. They help bring happiness to those around them too. I don't mean overtly by doing anything specific, but covertly by being a support in yeah. some way or by being present or not adding to the suffering. Because we all know grumpy people who are having a really hard time who are suffering, right? Again, they can might I help you? Add to suffering of others. Yeah, no, <laughs> you're off that list. <laughs> I've decided for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
uh, I think uh, I think the last one I'm going to read uh, is uh, from Hidden Target. The myth of quote everyone else is uh, can deal with this. Why can't you? End quote. Because you uh, have a different set of circumstances that other people may not be dealing with. You have a different set of vulnerabilities, different set of cultural context, dif different set of physical situations, different set of financial situations, different set of physical and psychological resources, strengths and challenges. What else am I missing? You're missing the fact, one small thing. You also don't even know whether everyone can deal with this. That's some mm. global thinking you got going on. And we don't know. Are you judging from Instagram, from Facebook, from what they say because you don't know them terribly well? From how they look when they pick up their kid from the school playground and you're picking up yours and it was everything you could do to get out of your pajamas that day to go fetch your kid. Anyone? Just me? Mm -hmm. I've been there. <laughs> I've been there! When yeah. my eldest was, I was exhausted. You know, I had three yeah. little kids. Anyway, so you don't know what their situation is like. You yeah. know yours, and it's so easy to project that sense of isolation and loneliness, and it must only be me. Mm -hmm. Not true, folks. Very no, rarely. and any mental health, any any behavior we see from people is outward manifestations of internal processes. And we may see people's behavior for a lot of different reasons. There are people who excel, not because they lack anxiety, but because they are anxious AF, okay? Yeah. And that drives them towards this anxious perfectionism. But all we see is the end result and not the internal struggle. Again, hi, what's up? Um, the there are people who seem contemplative because they might seem deep and insightful, but in some cases they're just depressed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, all we see is the external manifestations. We don't see the internal processes. Yeah. But it's good to remember everyone has them and suffering is a very universal experience. Yeah. Um, well, that is unfortunately where we got to wrap up this episode. Uh, we're getting towards the end of our time. Uh, I do want to thank everybody for posting uh, the myths that you hate in the chat. And we did get a lot of really good yeah. questions that we didn't get a chance to get to. So, so maybe we'll have a questions episode at the end of the season like we did last time. And maybe they'll get read on there. Hmm, hmm, who knows? Um, <laughs> uh, friends, where can people find you on the interwebs if they would like to do so? On Twitter or at MitraJordan.com. I'm around, but I'm not as around as Dr. B. <laughs> no, I'm definitely around. Are you can, um, you can find me on most socials at the Dr. B. That's T H E E D O C T O R B is in boy. But before you follow me, make sure to follow Take This Org at uh, Take This Org is our website. Take This Org on all the socials. We it, it, go to the website, check out the resources. Uh, we have so many mental health uh, informational stuffs available, including multiple uh, searchable therapist directories where you can search by uh, title, location, low cost, no cost options. We, could, we keep adding stuff as we go slowly and it's just grown to be a big thing. That's, that's takethis.org forward slash resources. Yes. And I believe Take This also has some Canadian resources on there. Working on it. Working good, on it. good. We're, slowly, we're getting up. there. <laughs> 
Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the Trevor. There's an A hiding in there. You can also find me anywhere the Idle Champions community is because I'm the community manager, so I'll be there. Uh, thank you to Martin for moderating in the chat and doing a fantastic job today. And thank you to Codename Entertainment and Take This for giving us an opportunity to have these discussions. If you miss any part of this show, you can catch it later as a podcast or on your favorite podcast service. And you have any suggestions for future topics you'd like us to talk about, you can send those into Champions of Psychology at CodenameEntertainment.com. Or if that's too long, just tweet them at us. Uh, let's see, we've got Bardic Inspiration coming up immediately after this, so stick around for that, and then we will also have, let's see, what, what else is going on today? Got Bushwhacker Weekly afterwards, and I think we, for the rest of the week, we have a pretty normal schedule, so be sure to check out all the fun streams and get those codes, but that is going to do it for this week's episode, so until next week, take care of yourself. Champions of Psychology is meant as education and entertainment. It is not a substitute for medical advice or professional counseling. Discussion of mental health topics will be primarily rooted in research and the personal experiences and self-disclosures of the hosts. While we can provide generalized education and possible mental health resources, we cannot offer any recommendations, advice, or opinions for any specific persons, cases, or situations. We provide these resources and links at our sole discretion, but have not necessarily vetted or reviewed any resource. We assume no liability for the use of the information or resources on these sites, and we encourage you to use your own best judgment.